This episode of a sassy little podcast for getting over it is proudly sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a woman-owned and managed business. Think financial planning is out of your reach? Think again. Whether you've just graduated college, are about to walk down the aisle, looking to buy your first home, or need help getting out of debt, Rooted Planning Group is ready to help you achieve your goals. Visit rootedpg.com and get started on a brighter financial future. Welcome to a sassy little podcast for getting over it. I'm your host, Sandra Ann Miller. Today, we're talking about getting the F over reality TV, because sometimes we let what we watch warp our view of what's actually real. Our guest is a reality TV icon and pioneer. He's also an artist, filmmaker, inventor, and the kind of person you want to hang out and be friends with. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to stop being polite and start getting real. Please welcome the wonderful Norman Corpy. Hello, I'm Norman. Thank you for (laughs) your time and listening. (laughs) So great to have you here because, of course, I was an immediate fan of the first real world. And it was so exciting and also comforting to see people about my age, because I am that age, Mm -hmm. having the conversations and conflicts and concerns that my friends and I were having. And I think at that time, it really helped us to feel kind of connected and to educate. And, you know, there was really nothing like it, especially for our generation. And it really was real. Yeah. You know, um, and thank you so much. And it was, it was such a gamble and a risk, but I felt the same way that you did. You know, I felt like, you know, we lived in a time when we had maybe five or six cable outlets, there wasn't an internet and we were barely isolated you know even programming was pretty isolated and to connect with other people was very difficult even make long distance phone calls was insane and expensive (laughs) I I remember moving from Michigan to New York City and I'd have a little tiny card to even reach back and stay in touch with people was very difficult calling cards like how how retro we don't talk about those anymore (laughs) you know and back in the day when you were just somebody that didn't really fit in like myself, you know, you knew there were other places, you know, you'd heard stories or read stories like you go to San Francisco or you go to New York or you go somewhere where your community or your tribe is and you're going to find people. You're just going to go out there in the East Village and you're going to find RuPaul, <laughs> which I did. And we ran around that village like crazy people, you know, and um, but Once you were there, you were just like in such this great little bubble and it was so wonderful. And when the show came along, you know, it was just the people people that created the show were our age. You know, they Mm -hmm. were just as young as us and they were just like, we want to see something different. We want to present something so different. And um, so I just believed in their concept and accepted $100 an episode. Shocking, America. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Because I just thought that this was great. What other opportunity would there be to have such a diverse cast and then have somebody that was gay on a program? Right. I just felt like, you know, we were going through that AIDS crisis. It was really a dark time. Um, We didn't have a voice and a visibility other than what seemed very militant and you know, just people were dying. and, And those were scary voices. And it came with a scary 
look at the gay community. So the fact that all of a sudden something kind of fun and interesting and young and positive that just kind of explored all of our lives as young people came to New York City to go through their college experience, meet someone that they've never met before, just seems so appealing to me. And I was just so fortunate that I don't know why they casted me. I always say it's my dog, but it really put together such an incredible engine. And and at one point, we just thought it was something that was going to entertain like a Saturday morning program. It would be gone. It wouldn't be something that would repeat itself. It wouldn't be something that would grow into a genre, Mm -hmm. you know, but it reached out to people like you and it reached out to people that didn't have a voice. We were like a connector. We were like that connecting thing that put electricity all over the place so that if you watch this in Des Moines or you watch this in North Carolina, you watch this in Michigan, you said, oh my gosh, there are people that that are very simple. I see people and they're interacting like I want to interact. That's the kind of future mm-hmm. that I want to be part of. And that was, was so hopeful. And I don't even think MTV got it at the time. I really don't. You know, it was just something like, okay, we got to do programming. Everyone's going to make us pay for these videos. We can't afford to pay Madonna for videos. That's not how MTV works. And all of a sudden, it was the year that all of the artists, like Michael Jackson, have returned around like, you guys are making a fortune. And you don't, you know, just like us getting paid $100, they were getting paid nothing to run their videos. And they're like, these videos cost us money. This is ridiculous. So MTV is like, that's the model we have. And they said, well, then we'll just make programming. And I swear they had a scramble to think like, well, what kind of programming can we make? We can't afford it. (laughs) You know, and that's our show. So it was just like a really bunch of happy accidents that happened. And MTV kind of was even closer to public television in a way that the public public became part of the television because we were the people that watched TV and now we were on TV. Mm -hmm. And even when you looked at NPR, you looked at PBS back then, you had to go through so many layers of education to get to a point to even be on one of those programs that it really wasn't public. There was really a wall between what was public and not. All of a sudden, here were people that unabashed um, opening the door. And um, so it created a, a really unique spot. I think we're a, a lot of time, we're, we definitely are celebrated by you and I really appreciate it. But I still think the, the powers that be out there, Emmys, um, <laughs> they really don't get it and have not gotten it. You know, they really right. sit on top of a, a really privileged throne and, um, you know, they, they haven't really seen the impact. But I'm really appreciative that you have. And and, um, and, I, and, and all these years I've seen, I've seen the change of, uh, of how we related to everybody and how that came across. It's just, it's incredible. I, I just go around and smirk and giggle. I'm not as recognizable <laughs> as I once was, which was really insane. Sure. But I always try to be an ambassador. You know, I, I said I was going to use that fame and recognition to reach out and strengthen and, at all costs. I, you know, it was really important for people like myself to be included and to be somebody's friendly neighbor. Yes. Well, and I think it was the first, I think through Hawaii, I I think that was when it was still kind of more real. And I'm not saying this to bash mm-hmm. it, but I think, you know, sort of after that, people saw it as a vehicle to fame, mm-hmm. not getting a day job. I think, you know, has Johnny Bananas ever worked? You know, it's like his career. I can't <laughs> believe it. It's still toiling around. In reality. You have much, you have much better karma. Uh, um, it became 
a way of, of being famous. And again, this was like before social media. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you guys left the show in the time before social media, you, you know, you had to like either hire a publicist or have an agent or manager to keep your hustle going. And it seemed like you and Heather and Eric kind of had that momentum. But then when you talk to, or when Julie mentioned that she couldn't get a job as a dancer because she was Julie on the real world, mm-hmm. which is so Hollywood because they only see you one way, right. you know, God forbid you have a range. And, it, you know, I think for every door it opens, a wall goes up as well. And, you know, the misconception of like you're on TV, so you're rich and famous, you know, I think that can be very limiting. And when things do get real and things aren't good, people have that misconception, like, but you're on TV, like the world knows who you are. You know, how can, how can you have a real life? Yes, very much so. And it, it was also a flip side, even for me, you know, early days, because all of a sudden, the real life that I enjoyed being an artist and the real life that I was doing, you know, my partners were like, they just believe so much in this thing, like, oh, well, you obviously need to be in Hollywood, you this you wanted to be on television. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I thought make this would show, shed a light on like, wow, here, you're gay and you're really creative and you can go get a contract with the Guggenheim, put it together, find manufacturing, put people to work and do something. And that's such a great message for someone that says, I don't have a place in this world because Mm -hmm. A, you don't get hired if you're, like I had to make my own work because if you're openly gay, you could go to the military, goodbye, see you, you can't defend your own country. Right. You know, if you're a teacher, goodbye, no one wants you teaching their kids. It went on and on and on, including- and so I, I, I was hoping that, like, look, I'm going to create work for myself. I'm going to do something positive. I'm going to put people to work. And all of these things are what we want in our neighbors and our community. Hello. And so here, <laughs> my own business partners back in the day were like, no, you need to go to Hollywood. Well, guess what? William Morris would shut the door. I would get called in because people would see, oh, God, we need talent from MTV. Well, nobody if you were sitting in an office, you didn't really watch the show. No one ever watches anything right. or reads a book. They just say, <laughs> oh, I heard you're famous. Come in. So they're like, oh, I heard you're in the real world. Go like that. Come in. Okay. We got a root beer commercial for you. We got a battery commercial. They send you out. I would literally be doing the scripts on the stage, getting ready to go. And then the entire team would come in from like whatever giant soda company in this. And they'd all be whispering in the corner and said, we've had creative differences. We're going to have to let you go. They would do this over and over. They wouldn't just come out and say, we can't have you on that product because you're gay. I did slip through the cracks and do a Chevy commercial back in the day for like Geo Metro and all these things with Julie and Heather and got them all in. And it got all the way through. And then all of a sudden Rush Limbaugh got on. He blasted. Like General Motors was laying off a bunch of people. How dare they have a gay person? You know, basically a faggot on television. And they froze every one of those commercials. And so no one would even talk to me or open those doors. So when the doors opened even a little bit for Julie and Heather and, and Erica and those, no. I mean, and it's just like, it was pretty like kind of stunning. And I just said, you know what? I'm The thing is not to look defeated in this situation. It's to just keep pushing towards the future and keep pushing with a positive message. Even if someone was like, I said, you know, I would just try to bring that out today. Now I, I tell a little more of these stories, but you know, it was hard and being out in the public and I did end up going to LA and I, I would wait on jobs and actually work for Arnold Schwarzenegger waiting on him and making burgers at his house. 
and just the insanity. And then he'd go on to like David Letterman and go like, oh, and every like David Letterman's like, oh, so you have famous people that serve you burgers at your barbecue. And, you know, like my sister would call me like, what is happening? This is like in 96 or something like this. Like that's how, that's when you knew you're really rich and famous in LA is that you have other famous people serving you burgers on your Sunday at your house. It's meta. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but I think, you know, for, for the youngsters, I don't know that this part of, of history is as known and how mm-hmm. close that period is to today and how much discrimination went on and how much mm-hmm. hatred was there. And, you know, so the fact that you kept fighting, kind of pushing and getting your foot in the door, even though it was going to be slammed again, I mean, that that's how the progress was made. And, you know, I was at CalArts during that time and I, I came from Valencia. Like it was just so beige and, mm-hmm. you know, nothing really happened there. So I'm meeting friends who are going through the AIDS crisis and have lost dozens of people in their lives. So this was like my awakening and, you know, act up and all of that stuff. And the wound is the only way I can describe it. That's, that's still there. And all of that pain, you know, the nineties were great on one level and complete shit on the other. Yeah. You know, but it, 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 it really was. And I, I was always determined to go and make an olive branch to the, the other side. You know, I would just, I'd slip in and they wouldn't know I was at their dinner table and it was always, it was already too late because I made them fall in love with me. And they're like, what? I mean, I, later days, I mean, like I worked my way right around Rush Limbaugh to make them all happy. And you know, I have a, an incredible relationship with Rachel Campos and mm-hmm. she is, you know, on Fox and Friends and a lot of the people in the diaspora of the real world, it's, it, it really, it is that opinion like, oh my gosh, how could you be friends? I mean, this is ridiculous and what's coming from her and all that stuff that she represents. But I also think it's so important to have a dialogue, to have laughs. And we, we have a really you, you great space. You know, I always have a, a, a open ear and a a great heart in the ear for people. And it's always like a learning experience. It's always about giving those people an opportunity to know and learn and be vulnerable to make a mistake and not just cancel them on site right. for what's going to come out of their mouth. I mean, I just came from a really different place um, where people just didn't know. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they eventually came around, you know, they eventually in a long yes. game, they came around. The long game was my parents came around like, you know, it's National Coming Out Day, and I, I just are coming up, and um, the Beatamura people were like, hey, we're looking at all of our talent. Can you just give a few seconds of everybody, you know, just generic email and, and stuff? And I wish I could have spoken a little bit more because it was like a 30-second bite, but, you know, one of the things that I would have loved to have said when you're coming out is when people back away from you or, or turn their back on you, don't give up on them. You know, become the parent, you know, get into your parents' shoes and teach them and show them and come back and come back and come back and know that you're someone that you can, they can rely on that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're nothing different than you were like 24 hours ago or five minutes ago when you said that, you know, and we're right. all just, we're going through here and learning with stuff. You know, we, we're such adolescents as a nation too. I mean, yes. you know, we all just kind of came from all these different places in the world and we're getting to know each other and we're just bumping up against each other. And plus, you know, w- learning to make something much unique and something so much better. And, and we don't have a lot of time people to do it. I mean, right. we all know we can see the dark horizon, you know, we can see the problems that are coming up. And unless we reach out and get to know everybody 
we're all going to go over the waterfall together. Right, right. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. we, you know, so many people are talking about not wanting to do the emotional labor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not my responsibility to educate you. I understand that to a degree, but here's how we had to do it. You know, us are, you know, are <laughs> we're such young oldies, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you want progress, you have to like take your machete out and hack at the, the wilderness. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. you, just like you said, you, you can't give up on people, even though that's the way it feels like it should be. It's like, you know, go fuck you, move on. Yeah. But it's, that's the only way progress mm-hmm. is made is to keep trying and keep doing it and keep putting that olive branch out there and keep educating and be patient. And mm-hmm. it doesn't always feel good for fuck's no. sake, but it's, if you want the world to be different, show them the way. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly what with my parents is that, you know, a lot of, you know, this is the picture that I wanted for America when I came out and they're like, wow. How, I mean, that was so in like, what, what happened to your relationship with your parents? A, I didn't want them on the camera because I didn't know that relationship was too important for me to bring them into the real world and then have the real world have that moment. Like, look, see, mm-hmm. here's the liberal gay guy. We're going to kind of support him, but we're going to also throw him under the bus by ripping his whole family apart, you right. know, because his parents, they're terrified. There's like, they know there's just, they saw how bad I was beaten up and then I went off to boarding school and, and um, just to kind of get out of that social sphere that when the kids started picking on me and it got really bad, but their fear continued. Like, how is this, this guy going to get a job? And it was true, you know, like all this stuff, but I had to show America and just like, and like, Oh, is it all real? Well, it was real. And I also kind of made a big white lie. And the fact that I did have issues with my parents, but I wanted the public to say they're great. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted a message to go out there because that's what needed to kind of go forward. But I had to work on my parents and I knew that it was going to be great. I knew that they loved me. I knew everything, but I could see the fear in their eyes. They didn't want to talk to me for a year. You know, I would, they'd call me all the time. And then all of a sudden they stopped calling me. Like, if you do this, this is, we have to separate, you know? And I was like, well, you know, if you guys, you know, get a divorce or this is my goal, this is my gift to you. You know, everything was always a gift. You know, if this is what you need in your life, then I'm so happy that I'm now here to give you this gift. But I then had to keep calling them. Like right. I couldn't go into the point, well, they just, you know, scorned me, I, I, poor me. I was like, no, I'm going to call them and just talk about something that they like. They love listening to Rush Limbaugh. They love listening to them. I'm like, well, just tell me more, you know, <laughs> I have really big filters. I recommend filters, people. <laughs> you go, you get them, you put them in front of your face and you listen to everything and a nice big filter gets all that oil and grease that you don't want on you. <laughs> just go through the filter, you know, just don't bring it in. Don't bring it into your head. Just listen and smile. And they say, you know, that, that nice Texas saying, oh, that bless your heart. Just go with the Texas filter. <laughs> bless your heart. Bring it in. And it took like 10 years. I mean, it was a rubber band. I had to come out to my parents every time. I'm like, not only did they come out on television, but every like five years, I had to re-come back out to them. Like, but wait a second. It says you're bisexual. I'm like, oh, that wasn't the story. You know, that wasn't MTV screwed that all up, you know, but. Well, wait a second, but it keeps saying, you're, and I'm like, oh, that, you know, the bane of my existence that's with, with some of the problems with reality TV. But anyway, right. that's what I'm saying. Don't, you know, you just try not to do that with people. And, and, and the interesting thing, talking a little bit about reality and how people perceive us and is that 
you know, try not to perceive people that you think also on reality television, because often they're not the case. I, I was just saying this the other day with someone about Puck is that, you know, I, when I started watching the show, I felt guilty because I watched the show and then I assumed something about Puck and something about Pedro and something about he Rachel and all of these people, you know, after they replaced us, I can't believe <laughs> that they did such a thing. But, you know, the, the San Francisco cast was so riveting and brought such it was like an apex of all the things they were hoping to achieve. They had more funding, they had more time, and they could really start to peel apart a bigger onion, and um, and, and really brought to light some really brave people. But it, it, they were at such odds with each other. They're unfortunately, you know, the connectiveness of a, of, of a cast member would have been really helpful in there. Mm -hmm. It would have been helpful if they would have brought Norm back into that season. But, <laughs> um, you know, because they were such at, at odds, but there were so many things that I learned actually when I first met Pucky. He was so intelligent. He was super supportive. He was very active in the gay community. Of course, he was in San Francisco. His mother was like on the street doing home. Like, there's so much more that came out of this person that I was like, oh my God, I feel guilty that I was even on the reality show and I'm character assassinated you. What an idiot. And the same thing kind of came out of Rachel. And she said something to me that really struck me. You know, that on the show, she's really just kind of, you know, gunned down because, you know, she's conservative and she was with the Jack Kemp and she'd run around and she'd do all these things. And she went to everybody's stuff. She went to Pedro's things. She went, she went everywhere. And then she asked them to do something with her, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe going to like a Catholicism or a Catholic church or something conservative, but none of them would do that. And I'm saying this as some of the liberals that stand there, you know, you can't have it one way, you know, right. you've got like, look, and I was dumbfounded. And I said, you know what, Rachel, you have an incredible point that would, I would have went there because I just, I'm interested in everything. But um, yes, that was one thing that I said, you know what, that's really interesting, you know, and how are you going to get someone for her to listen with such a voice? Because she is going there to all your stuff. She went to all their stuff. And then here was the one conservative person that was so legitimately conservative that people could have learned something from, and they all didn't participate in her story, right. which was, you know, that's, that's just a missed opportunity. And I just say that now because we don't have time. Our forests are burning down, our air, we have problems we have to solve. Haiti's a problem coming across. We, it, you know, we're all going to go over the waterfall together. Yes. You know? Yes. And so if we can't figure it out, I mean, we have gotten to this point in this country where it has become so black and white, so cancel this way or that way, so quick to, you know, so snap judgment that's coming in. And there's just way too much gray matter. We're too, we're too much of an adolescent country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we really all need each other more than, you know, we just need the, uh, the other that looks like us. Right. We know we, we've lost the ability to have a civil discourse mm -hmm. to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. To you know, the middle ground has been burnt, mm -hmm. you know, scorched earth at this point, and we have to kind of build that back because yeah. we can't keep going. And believe me, I'm super fucking pissed off. We have every right to be angry <laughs> yeah, at, of course, you know, I'm, these I'm people who who just don't get it. But yeah. at the same time, what is that going to lead us to? Mm -hmm. How much mm -hmm. more divided exactly. can we be? Exactly. You know, and I and it leads me back to like a lot of people like well why would you have gone back to do this re this homecoming show and all these things? And I think we're talking about exactly why I wanted to come back on there. You know, when George Floyd, it was a terrible event that happened uh. in the summer during COVID, you know, and even COVID is all this kind of stuff. And, um, 
it was like I started to see um, a lot of younger voices that weren't even born that we were on TV started to just make ideas of like, oh, you know, the real world. And they start talking about Julie in a certain light, like starting to cancel her with her white privilege. And, and I was like, re- and me being a bisexual, all these things were like regenerating in right. this like millennial that had no context of what was going on, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, once again, I said, if, if they do have a show like this, I definitely want to get out there and, you know, share a little bit more of my story. And I really appreciate you even having me on because it's, it's an extension of being able to, to, to express even more of these feelings right now in some of these stories. And, you know, you can take them or leave them, but, you know, I don't know, I guess, who ever thought we'd get old to be wisdom barriers? I don't see myself <laughs> as wisdom, but we have gone through time and we've seen things. And that's what I'm just here to do is report. You know, that's yeah. what my art's about and my story's about is just to kind of report on on some on some stuff but we've got some some big days ahead and we we, you know we got to do it together yes so i have to ask you know going Mm. back the second time was it like sometimes when you go back to your family you're 15 again you know did you just kind of like go back and kind of like feel the same kind of energy from when you were you know kids or and you've kept in touch. I mean, you haven't necessarily seen each other, but you've kept in touch. So, so how did how did that dynamic feel once once you all got there? Except for poor Eric, who was sequestered. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, I, it always never seems to amaze me that you know we always try to outthink production when we're coming back. Like, okay, <laughs> this and this and that. We, you know, um, you know, we have our own little goals and our own mm-hmm. little ideas, and then they turn around and surprise you. And it was an absolutely jaw-dropping surprise to go back into the loft. And just when you, and reality is really good for that. The, the TV is that, that moment to really juice things up and to go back into that space was like reversion, you know, like and I, I, I only an experience. I, I think I went to my 10 year reunion at high school and literally everybody turned back into their 18 year old self or 16 year old <laughs> self. And all of a sudden, the, this, the same couples, I could see them off in the woods trying to rekindle and wreck their marriages that they had been in 10 years <laughs> because now all of a sudden, you know, they're like, I never got to, that chance to tell you how much I loved you. <laughs> and so that whole reversion was happening for us also because when you walked into the space, it was like it hadn't, hadn't they went and got the artwork, they, the, the floors looked the same, the smells, the sounds. And then hearing our voices. And if you looked up, you could see a little that we've aged a little bit. <laughs> and but still our voices resonated the same. Mm-hmm. And it was I can't I don't even know it was like, you know, when Fantasy Island and you know, on Saturday night <laughs> in the 70s, when you go there, Mr. Rourke, and all of a sudden you go off on your little trip, and all of a sudden you walk in the door and you're, you, there's like a time capsule. I don't mm-hmm. even I it, it just the amount of money and insanity to put something like that a real time capsule together is unlike anything and and it was it was i it was an experience i just couldn't believe it was overwhelming and i don't know you know obviously i think we just it helped get get us swept up into the moment but it was just also a wonderful way to open up a lot of doors and in the past you know, we were, we would leave the loft, you know, it was mm-hmm. easiest for to go out the door and disappear or go into our little groups. And this time around, we had had so much of our story. We'd had 30 new years of stories to share. And with COVID there, there wasn't that big opportunity to escape. 
you know, right. to, so it really put us all in a place to, to share as much stories. Um, and then there just definitely were some surprises that were, showed up and, and, you know, and I think just the emotion of so much went on, you know, I, I, I'm so happy that I did it and I learned so much from going back, but there were definitely some painful things that came up mm-hmm. and some turns in our, in our dynamics, you know, the dynamic with Becky that had happened is just really unfortunate. And, and, um, I, you know, I think we're in a kind of a good place and it's just like the parent thing, you know, you mm-hmm. just kind of check in and just know that you're here, the you know, and just kind of let that person kind of go where they need to go and, you know, and just validate them, you know, everything that she was saying is very valid in her space and understanding sure. for what was happening. And it's just unfortunate with just the way the social media is and the way the media attention is. And, and they just bite on that big piece of steak. They go right for it. Like, well, okay, but you were right forget- there saying, you know, I'm here to help. Shut up. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and, and I just, you know, in, in going through that, I just, I mean, I, I think I've stayed in kind of the media game a little bit longer than she has. I mean, you know, she's got a world where she's professional and respected and understanding, but it's not the world that orbits with like interference and Twitter and titillation and communication and this and that and and what's going on now. And all that stuff isn't part of her world and her vocabulary. And, you know, as much as we, we talk with each other, we've also don't have time to really get into everybody's like life. And so, a lot of people didn't really understand the world in which she was operating. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I could see it going down. Like she really didn't understand this new world of like, you know, this whole cancel culture and people just immediately in your, your direct messaging and, and everyone having an opinion and, and, and just the way that I had an opinion of Puck, this is the way people were going to formulate stuff. And I was like, I got to stop this. Cause I don't think she really, gets this is not 1992 and we're still caught up in this reversion of like yeah we in the past we just let it fly i mean the stuff that would come out of our mouth we'll let it you know but it was the same argument they had in 92 and that was the disappointing thing when you go back and you watch the first season that's why i asked like you you can't help it sometimes and especially if it's a familiar place to kind of go Mm -hmm. back to that original (laughs) dynamic and and i always loved becky and yeah. not to say that I, I don't now, but I was I was right there with you going, please, please stop talking. Just stop talking and listen. Oh, yeah. And so it was the same argument, the mm-hmm. same behavior. And what she couldn't do was just be silent and listen and just accept that this is how, you know, mm-hmm. what this is how Kevin felt. This is what he needed to share. And that's all that mattered. Yeah. You know, and and with even with the miracle of editing that went on much longer than you think. And I, I want was the like, unedited. I, my foot was on, I would like smack her foot. I would pinch her leg. I would like, it literally was much longer than <laughs> with, the, with editing because, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I just was like, oh my gosh, it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop here. And I'm like, I'm doing, you know, of course, you did everything the more you dramatic could. point showed up, but <laughs> there was like more subtleties going into it beforehand, trying to like slow the train down. And I was like, Oh, you know, is there coffee over there? Let's see. You know, like what's, I mean, it was, it looked like it was just there, but it was like, I swear it was over an hour going back and forth like that. And we let it just go. 
because you're just like, okay, oh, I let it play out. And I'm like, oh my God, no, no. Oh, uh, it was this, and so and it was, just, it was like, I was like, oh no. And I'm, it is, it was real. And, and people yeah. are like that and people react that way because they become defensive and in wanting to defend yourself, you're actually doing yourself more harm. But basically all you need to do is zip it and listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's crazy, but you know, it's all hopefully, you know, it's a teachable moment and, and, and we'll see. I mean, I, you know, they are moving. I mean, it, it, it definitely caught the imagination and it, 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 of the, they're doing more of them now. Like they, they finished Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So That's prepare yourself. I, I know. <laughs> Cause I got a text from like John Brennan who was like, I think this was a mistake. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, when you have a cast built on, uh, and gosh, you know, and I, I just only hope the best, best for them and, and yes. that things work out. But it is difficult when you put an entire cast that's built on such adversity that there's no one in there to kind of like put people back together again. And I always felt really strong with our cast and I, and I'm hopeful definitely with Becky and, and, and that, you know, that we will find a place to like come back together and mm-hmm. communicate with each other that we, we do step back and go like, well, we, we understand what happened here and this and that and the production and, you know, the emotions and COVID and, and all these things. And, you know, I, and and we learn from each other, you know, sure. we don't, we're not out there to, to like, Oh, don't ever talk to her again or him again, or this and this and that. So I think I'm hoping that these other casts that they're starting to do with, you know, that they don't fall into that because they're going to bring up some of the, and, the, and some of the stuff they went through was really tough. You yes. know, they really brought up issues beyond us because we were such an artistic cast. I mean, they went through and they went and found a painter and a dancer and a writer and musicians and people that had that, artistic vibe and and creativity and often with through creativity you're always trying to find a solution mm-hmm. and um and, and come out with a positive message and that's part of creativity and then you know the, the other cast are like well let's think differently let's start putting in you know let's cast against you know adversational yes and, you know rather than diverse it was you know adverse right and and without one voice in there to help kind of guide through you know you just get something ripping apart and 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 then people that becomes a spectacle of the reality and we just we were so excited about giving birth to something like this that we a lot of times we felt bulldozed and we we talk about this julie and i talk about this and heather and we we really tried to think about before they started to do other these other homecomings is like you know maybe we should show back up again like how they these housewives i said you know i we don't need a loft. We don't need anything. It seems that people are really connected to our personalities and our journey. And I think we have such a, when we're together, we have a really interesting message to keep moving things, hopefully in society forward. I don't think we really got our due. I think our show was too short. I think, you know, we didn't really get to hear the voice of Eric and there's a lot more Mm -hmm. coming from him that I'm surprised from. And there's so much more coming out of Kevin. Like I would have yes. loved to have gone to like the places that inspired his books. And we couldn't, cause we were locked up. I'm like, please, you have over 10 books out there and all of these stories. And, you know, I am dyslexic too. And I, I do get through some of um, Kevin's books and um, I'd love to hear and be a part of those stories and share in more of that stuff and bring more of that 
into the world in your story. And I, I so I hope that there's someone sees something like that. Um, and because I, I think, you know, we do have some like some value out there and some people that, you know, we can continue this journey because 90% of the stuff out there, when you talk about reality and you talk about these shows, they go for the low hanging fruit, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, they're going to talk about this. This lady just, fl- this rich lady, privileged, just grabbed a table at the country club and flipped it upside down <laughs> and wine glasses hit the ceiling and they're all scrambling. Isn't that funny? Clicking in their high heels and stilettos and they ran off in their Mercedes. And, oh, we're going to watch it all the time. And we need more because I'm telling you, the waterfall, I can see it and we're going off the cliff. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, and we need, and it's going to, you know, I, I'll bring some laughs to it. Ha ha ha. But, you know, I'm, t- you know, we, we gotta, <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say, you know, I feel like I've been trapped in one of these Star Trek episodes where you see the future and you're constantly trying to stop, you know, the supernova from happening. Right. And exactly. yet it just, you keep showing back up and you're like, what, what the hell? So I don't, I don't, I don't understand um this i mean i don't know maybe we were just like a unique anomaly and there's people like you that continue to hopefully spread these messages you never know any of our impact you never know that just telling that one story to someone at a bus stop could change the world like go change the world stop trying to own everything you know i'm I'm starting a new philosophy instead of copyright i'm doing copy left like let it go (laughs) where you can't have enough money anymore if you have an idea that desalinates water and can start pumping, you know, salt water into fresh water and energy efficient. Stop trying to get money from the patent. Get it. Give it up. We don't have time. Right. We don't have time for you to spend the money that you would get on that patent or whatever it is. You know, it's just we don't have time anymore. Like, no. we really don't. <laughs> and we were talking about this in the 90s. You know, you know, MTV used to have those PSAs like stop using paper towels, get a rag, That's you know, tough. and all that stuff and just simple things Uh, first of all just say the hippies were right about everything (laughs) you know we we should have listened and we would have been in a better place but you know and I want to thank you also because you know in in the first season you came out and were the voice to that and then you shared that you had some financial difficulties through the um through the pandemic and having to go through that shift, which is also very real. And I've shared that I've hit the skids more than once Mm. and those skids (laughs) can just keep going and going and going. And it's not just humbling. It's, it's humiliating, especially when you, when you've had success and you, you've had these opportunities. I'm not saying you, I'm saying me, Um, you you know, it's, it's, it's very hard. So I do want to thank you because that is so hard to share especially with friends when you, when you've all kind of come from the same place. And I also want to say, if you were evicted during the pandemic in the city of Los Angeles, report your landlord because she or he broke some laws. Oh man. It was just, well, you know, it was pretty lawless because I actually lived in like a glamorized pool shed (laughs) in Hancock park a beautiful neighborhood. You know, it's an acre property. It was just insane. And, um, it, and so I, I it was it was once an art studio, but it was never even like God, I don't think she ever reported on her taxes. If I turned around, I just couldn't believe more everything I'd done for this place. <laughs> and then literally, you know, and then of course I just I always think about everybody else's feelings, and I'm just like, well, how is she going to be able to, you know, make it and all this kind of stuff? She really depends upon this, and now she doesn't have a source of income coming through, you know. You know, it's like uh, 70s. So it's just like, 
uh, up, 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 up against the wall there too. And I, I did my best, but you know, she just wasn't really, you know, <laughs> she was, and when you're an art, it was not easy. It's still like, I thank God they just gave me a little bit of those um, stimulus stuff, but you know, it's when you're independent, you're not getting like unemployment, like other people are. It's right. like, it, you just keep in, you're in a vacuole going around in a big circle. You know, and I couldn't even figure out how to penetrate, how to get that good cheese that like processed <laughs> cheese that you get, and, you know, vegetables and other things. Like, I don't know how people get, they get that. Like, I don't even know. Why. It was just like, an, it's like a layer of like insanity. And they're like, I'm sorry, we're not even accepting. I remember in like May or whatever, we're not even accepting new people in the system because whatever. I'm like, oh, great. You know? And so um, I, I was very fortunate that, um, you know, I was, I was able to just, okay, I just, that's it. I, I'm just going to come back home and like, look at things, but uh, it, it was crazy. My liver thanks me for everything kind of turning around because I definitely got myself a little more in the bottle than normal. And so I was, I was able to kind of get myself out of that. So that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so hard and it's, it's, yeah. it's because I was an independent I was, you know, doing my thing. And then like anytime the economy had a blip, boom, you know, it was the mm -hmm. banana peel and it would just, it just kept going. So I just wanted to mention that because that's another connection. Other people are going through it. And when you see somebody that you can identify with, it's like, you feel less alone mm -hmm. and you have that, you know, connection and that compassion. And you kind of realize like, okay, you can talk about it because most people don't want to talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, you can't get help. And from that, you have your bunny collection, your Easter. I mean, yeah. I love your art. I love the art that was up in the, oh, in the first. Thank you. I mean, it really so saved me. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it really, those rabbits <laughs> have saved me and, and, and I'm at so I'm good at right now for the moment. So that's like super awesome. You know, it, it's just one of the big fears in your head that you just is also like, you know, I put myself out there so hard for people and, and also it was my parents, you know, it's just like, and like I had mentioned earlier about trying to win them back over, win them back over and just, you know, I'm going to be okay. Okay. It always still comes back in their mind of like, see, if you wouldn't have been this gay person out there, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be starving. No one would know this kind of stuff. And now you're moving back home. And so that bell rings so loud in your head like, you know, the other two siblings are, they've got homes and families and they're okay. And you're still in this like washer and dryer of life. I mean, like if anybody should have money, you. And so it's like so ridiculous. And so I could see that always in their eyes and there's always that thing to help, you know, move them along. Like, you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And you're always okay out there. So I really do appreciate the support of people who connected to my story and, and people that maybe I had illuminated their lives and that they reached out and helped support my artwork to kind of get me where I'm at because, you know, it just kind of, my parents were gobsmacked. I said, how many people have gotten behind you to get those rabbits? Like what, you know, like they mm -hmm. just, it's still super abstract. I don't think they've ever really watched the show that the neighbors tell them about it or, you know, <laughs> even when this homecoming thing came back on, they were like, Oh, this is just, going to start everything back up again. You just came back here. You're here in Michigan. You're in our house taking care of like, why? What's, <laughs> you know, are you still gay? You're bisexual. God <laughs> damn it. I saw it. It's, it's, they said it on MTV. 
Oh, and I that was so hard to like explain to them on that episode, you know, this whole thing. Like they didn't get the impact of that, you know, right. like you know, I mean, you didn't understand how you, you, you however things were going and that's fine and it certainly still opened the door, any little door, but they didn't understand the weight that I had to carry on the water on that. I mean, like I'm not like the most friendly ideal gay icon in the gay icon land you know it's like you know that when that label came down that the, these people like i don't think Glad, glad's never said hey norm this is great we you know why don't you come see us after 30 years no lord <laughs> like, you know and all of that it's quite shocking <laughs> but i giggle at them too you know the waterfalls come in it's so good it hits together <laughs> yeah so you have your great art, you have the A stand, your film, the wedding video is getting a resurgence. Mm-hmm, There's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff coming up. Yes. The, and the wedding video, is just, it's so great. It's coming up at the um, Q Fest. And I, and it just, I was, I was doing Zooms with them yesterday and I did a whole cast with the different faces that were in my movie. And, um, which is basically so- all of MTV in the nineties. Oh my gosh. And they're hysterical. <laughs> so great. Like Lars is so funny and Cyrus. And there are some scenes in there that are genius, but Heather B stills the show. I had to move mm-hmm. the whole editing around her. And back then we also had difficulties trying to get that. We, you know, we made that film very like a spinal tap, something that people would think of reality. You know, we wanted to serve something that came from us. You know, we knew this material inside and out. So what better than to deliver this? I think the people that saw it in Los Angeles when we were screening it and trying to find a home for it, um, we're shocked that we were able to put this all together for, you know, at the time, a budget of 20,000, you know, like how could they put, do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it still was so rewarding to actually, after several years of trying to make a film or get together an idea that we actually made one and got it up to Sundance and got it up to various places and out into the world. And it was a difficult world because it was like 9-11, the whole thing got, right. everything was hard to connect. Our film was on video, which would needed to be bumped up to film if people really saw the potential in it, which the potential is there. But, you know, there was such distraction and such turmoil happening that year that it just kind of got lost. And, and then it did get picked up by like a Warner Brothers and a and um, the TLA, but they didn't know what to do with it. It's its own comedy, long story short, but it disappeared for like 15 years. And these film festivals that we won awards in, like in Sydney and stuff, I had no idea who we were. And people thought we were actually submitting an actual wedding video to their film <laughs> festival. We're mad. Like these really snarky people in the Seattle film festival. Like, how dare you reality people send a wedding video? <laughs> and then I got an apology letter after they rejected us. Like literally somebody else went through and then they got it. I'm like, yeah, I did go to Yale. Ha ha. Like, you know, I'm not like just sending you a wedding video, you bonehead. <laughs> so... And it was and it was a key to our own cage. That was the movie. It was like we made a key to get out of our own cage. We show you what it's like in this film. It's written, scripted. These people acted their asses off, you know, within their range. And it's like 81 minutes of just complete kerfuffle, laughing, sophomoric humor. Gay weddings weren't even on people's radar right. in 1990. We did this in 99, 90 when we shot this, it wasn't, you know, it was still laughable. It was still impossible. It was still, you know, all of these things, you know, all the don't ask, don't tell, everything was still in place. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's take all those straight people who people can relate to on the real world. Let's take that audience, the people that connect to them, those that tribe and show them, help them understand like 
I fall in love with somebody from Canada and I, they don't have the same rights. You know, they all of a sudden they come here and they think it's funny and they come to this gay wedding. And But it's so great to see all the outtakes, all the things that people are going to see, all the mud that people are going to step in, all the things you wouldn't have canceled them. They, all these people would have been canceled immediately in cancel culture. <laughs> but let everyone step and slide through all the, the muck. And and then all of a sudden everything gets edited away to this little moment, this three minutes. And all of a sudden it's like this perfect wedding video where you can see like Rachel's horse's ass, you know, personality in this movie get edited away and it, it has such a great story and so many people have never been exposed to it so mm -hmm. the q fest is going to go online unfortunately with the delta variant we were all going to fly in they were going to fly us in for the 20th anniversary it was such a honor and shock that they called and they said you know you're one of the only screenings that we we slotted at rice university in houston and there was a line going so far down the block that caught us off guard because we were just really smart and reality and we didn't think. And all of a sudden here was like 2000 more people requesting to see this thing. Like they couldn't believe it. And they rescheduled another screening of it. And that's when I, I paid for someone from Warner brothers and flew them out there. I'm like, you have got to see this. Cause every time I go to these screenings of these things, everyone laughs at us. Everything's we're stupid. Everything, this reality garbage that people want to throw on us. But we have really connected to a bigger audience here and there's mm -hmm. something here. And, you know, I mean, MTV was flipped out that we did this. They were not <laughs> thrilled. They're not thrilled. But we went through a lot of legal stuff to make sure they couldn't wrap their arms around us. Because unlike Laverne and Shirley, we were us. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, you can't own us. <laughs> and that was the problem with creating their show. When you don't make Laverne and Shirley, you've got a lot of like, you know, people running about like causing problems with your product. So um, <laughs> they didn't like that. Um, <laughs> there's even more in a book at some point I'll tell you about, but, um, <laughs> but yes, I hope if anyone's hearing this and they're able to go for the first time and, it, and it's in a digital format, you know, that was the interesting thing. When we went up mm -hmm. to DigiDance, Blair Witch was there. So that we had to bring a digital projector with they're like, and then I remember people going, Filmmakers, real hardcore filmmakers, you know, were like, we're never ever going to have it on film on digital, you know, everything's like digital. They were never, we're not going to let this in, in the theaters. We're not, you know, they were like banding together. We're all going to do 35. But, you know, it's once again, it's a classist thing. You know how much money it would cost? Mm -hmm. I, I tried everything under the sun for two years trying to raise money. I mean, eventually Puck was going to be in this whole thing. It was going to be a snuff film. And then he got into jail. <laughs> I lost a million dollars in funding. And then I had the other Beth Zalarchik character go off and sell the whole concept to like Kukulor. Like all these people were, I'm like, oh, it was not easy to make a film. Mm -mm. And so here we had a digital film, but no one was going to bump it up to, to take it and bump it up. There's an anniversary party, I think, that came out that I was inspired by out of... Um, out of Amsterdam that did this. They they were able to take a video product and move it up onto film. And mm -hmm. it was very kind of successful in the indie world at that time. And um, I said, I said, let's just cut, let's just go with this and see what can happen. But we didn't have, there was no YouTube at this moment. No one could even deliver video. You barely can move a photograph around on the internet, you know, God, you know, so now all of we're still dealing with dial up. Yeah. Everything was still like, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. you're connected. And um, so it now it, 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 it maybe it has a, a new market, and so hopefully I can get some like clever people to to to, to put it out there and, and and have some people have some really great laughs. And I think it's done. You know, even you know things have done their job. So we mm -hmm. we do have like gay marriage out there, but um, 
So it, it's a good, funny way to look back. And um, so I'm really hoping people can connect and, and see the talent. I mean, Heather B is so super, super talented. Like literally I could have bored everybody with the edit, you know, and focus it all on me. And I'm like, no, she's got the performances. I got to swing the whole thing around. Like literally once you see what you have, you got to go like, I can't, you, you know, I'm, I had to move the story even closer to on top of Heather. Like, you know, you got to give people their money and literally, we were gagging. We did stuff in that scene. I mean, the girls and very sophomoric humor. Just I think like something about Mary maybe was coming out about that time. But we were definitely pushing the envelope, which is commonplace. I mean, now you see this stuff like on like on FX. There all this stuff that was so taboo and impossible. And, like we can't. We don't even know what we could do with this. Like you know, I mean, even back then, I, it, which is ironic, is that if you had a gay character back then. You had an immediate R rating. I mean, gay right. was the equivalent. I, can you say a dirty word on your? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. So gay was equivalent to fuck. Yeah. I mean, if you had the word fuck in your thing, you got like an R rating. If you had a gay person in your movie, you had an R rating. That is the world in which all these very woke people don't know about. Like literally, <laughs> <laughs> when we did this movie, we already were pigeonholed like right. to the, like an audience. Like, you know, it's like, oh my God, we already shrank everything down to such, and there, there really wasn't even a lot of like gay content, anything, you know, we all of a sudden slipped into an area that the, the studios were like, well, we can't market that. That's, right. there's only one person in America that would see that. And there's no RuPaul creating nothing on nowhere, you know? And so you have no audience, but w- w- we knew that we did. So, of course. And the yeah. fact that they didn't believe that there was an audience is like, how far, is, how far is your studio from West Hollywood, gentlemen? Yeah. Glad. I mean, I know that like um, at the time, the powers that be and they know who they are um, were in control of Outfest in Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. ironically was the only film festival that didn't take us. You'd think a gay thing with the uh, icon would open that up. But guess what? Now this is this is what I'm talking about with Hollywood. Like they've decided yeah. who you are. Mm-hmm. You can't have a range. You're in this no. box that we're comfortable with. But please sign sign. You know, I want your autograph. Yeah, I know. It's so, so. <laughs> and thank you for all your boyfriends and husbands that you have and your great little bank accounts that, you know, you wonder how that magically just happened that you can just walk down the street and people will like you. Thank you. <laughs> it's crazy. So any other plans to do more reality TV, Norman? Well, they did knock on my door to do a challenge. I was just going to ask, is it going to be a challenge? You know, and I said, well, why can't we just, you know, we're, 50 years old. Why don't we get with the program here, people? Why? Just give me a job already with this programming. People are just insane. But this whole jumping out of helicopters, and I've done them in the past, you know, jump out of the helicopters, mm-hmm. eat the shark, run around, you know, blah, 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 hot tub crazy. Um, let's just like, where's the drag competition, like the clothing, you know, like the baking competition, the best design. We got to do that something. would be what? What are, like, great. You know, right. You know, like, let's do like eight of these challenges. You know, these, there's these other, there's other competition shows that don't rely on, you know, you know, beating each other up with a club, you know, and running across a field, you know, and, you know, a speedo or something. Let's first, I think you should create this. Yeah. You know, and the second, I think that you should do a, a podcast of like all the real world stories, like, yeah. you know, just do like an anthology of that, because, you know, I think, I think, you know, and I think we might be a little similar. You have to create your own stuff. You can't, yeah. you can't bring the ideas to these people. They mm-hmm. don't get it. You're so far ahead of your time, clearly. Yeah. Just do it. I mean, you've got yeah. the ideas, you've got the ability to do it. You just 
take the reins. I know. I need that clone. clone. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, come to me. <laughs> you are marvelous. Thank yeah. you so much. It's yeah. been just such a pleasure. Well, Miss Sandra, thank you very much for having me here. Um, it's in, it's just been a joy to talk with you and laugh. Oh, I just want to give you a big hug. Go big hug. All right, let's get it together before we go up the waterfall. <laughs> but just say Yahoo! You know, it's just like it's like my one of my favorite films is like um, the Hitchhiker's Guard to the Galaxy, is where the dolphins are like jumping. Thanks for the fish, you know, as the Earth is going to be turned into just a you know an off ramp in the galaxy. <laughs> They're like. And they've been trying to tell everybody for years. <laughs> and they just laugh like, well, thanks for the fish. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, and with our luck, you know, we're running out of water. So maybe there will be no waterfall. I know. It, I know. And thus I sit right on top of Lake Superior, you know, our, our giant Grand Canyon of fresh water. Uh, and I'm going to watch the real estate just go whoop, up here in about like five years or so. You know, people are like, what? Oh, moving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, well, I got a lot of land here. I'm ready for you. <laughs> oh, I know. We've, we've got to get it together. Just like you said, yeah. we've got to get it together. Well, thank you again, Norman. Yes. You have a great day. Thanks. Thank you very much, listeners. Bye-bye. You can find Norman on his website, normancorpy.com on Twitter and Instagram at Norman Corpy and Facebook at MTV Norman Corpy. And if you don't know, Corpy is spelled K-O-R-P-I. And please be sure to visit our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group at rootedpg.com. They offer great advice on their website to get you started and would love to work with you personally. Find out how financial planning can help you get where you want to go. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this sassy little podcast, please rate it and review it and tell your friends about it. To get the podcast early, ad-free, and with exclusive content, become a patron on Patreon. Go to the community page at sassylittlepodcast.com for more information. And let's connect. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sassylittlepod or email me from the About page on the website. Until next time, take care. <laughs>